Um, hey, let me just bring some more things to the table when it comes to the Christmas store. Okay, I was reading a book. It was called Toxic Charity. And in that book, he had a story about this suburb church that did this thing where they would come in and bring a bunch of gifts to a family that was not doing so well during that holiday. And so this pastor brought these gifts in to these, these people's houses, and the pastor realized on the father's face that what they did was good, but bad and toxic. So what they did was nice, it was generous, but it robbed this family and this father in particular of his dignity. The dignity fell off his face because he was not able to provide Christmas in the way that he wanted to for his kids. Um, and so we started this thing at a, at a different church where we did a Christmas store. Uh, and it was so that people still had the empowerment of going shopping for their kids, of buying these gifts, of wrapping these gifts, and having that family Christmas shopping experience. Um, it's Obviously, Christmas is not about gifts, but uh, it just blesses a family in a season of need. And so um, we, we figured, let's, let's try that with our... And we're partnering with Family Promise, by the way, the organization that we partnered with in the past, um, who takes care of families who are uh, homeless and in transition. And so we're partnering with them. And all you have to do is grab a tag. You have to rip it off the string on the owl wall, grab a tag. You, you buy the gift, just that gift. You attach it to the gift. You tape it on the gift. You do not wrap the gift. You're going to want to. It's like, ooh, I got a gift. I got to wrap it. This time, most men don't want to rap. They're like, oh, yes. Uh, is that sexist? I don't know. Um, I'm a male. Yes, okay, it was sexist. Wrong category. Okay. Um, so just, just tape it to the gift. Bring it back. Uh, and bring it back the week before the 22nd. So I don't want to do math right now, but I think that's the 15th. Sunday the 15th will be the deadline. Okay? You bring it on the 15th. We'll, we'll take care of all those gifts. And what's going to happen on the 22nd is we're going to have a big store. So some people, because they're still going to bring their kids, some people will be with the kids making hot chocolate and crafts while their parents shop. Their parents will come in here and they'll have a guided shopping experience where they have kind of a list and they'll pick out these gifts um, and, and, and they'll, they'll wrap them and they'll go home with a bag of, of gifts. And again, it's a brand new gift that you buy and they pay a fraction of the cost. And so uh, they, still, they still have a huge part in this and um, and it's just, it, it becomes a really good experience for everybody to empower your community. And so that's what we're doing this year. We need everybody on board, okay? So grab a tag. Uh, right, I think, right now, I think we have about 36 gifts that we need. That's three gifts for, per chil ch you know, children, uh, child. And, and, and if we kind of blow this out the gates, and you guys are like, well, we did it in the first week, then we'll just add more gifts. No big deal, okay? More gifts and more kids. Sound good? All right, Merry Christmas to you too. All right, uh, welcome to our abrupt interruption series entitled, Things I've Always Wanted to Say. Things I've Always Wanted to Say. It's an abrupt inter interruption in the sense that we've been going verse by verse, if you're brand new, we've been going verse by verse through the gospel according to Mark for an entire year, and we're going to do that all the way through April. That's how long it takes to go verse by verse through an entire gospel, an entire book of the Bible. And I abruptly, last week, made an announcement uh, and because of that, I'm doing an abrupt interruption series based on that announcement. You do not get that announcement if you're in one of four categories. One, you're brand new. If you're brand new, this is going to be a really intriguing Sunday. 
uh, a compelling Sunday. We're a very honest church. We're an open church. Uh, we hold our emotions on our sleeves, at least I do for sure. And so you're going to be like, wow, that was a lot. Uh, but just stick with us. You'll be fine, and it'll definitely be compelling. All right, the, the, the second category you might be in is you were not here, uh, and we don't have your email. Three, you've changed your email and did not tell us, maybe on purpose, or you gave us that burner email that you give churches. Uh, and four, you're just rebellious. Like you saw the email and you're like, nah, and you didn't even watch it. We're praying for you if you have a heart of rebellion, or like the old church folk used to say, you're backsliding, all right? I'm just kidding if you don't know my humor and you're brand new. Last week, I announced that my wife and I are taking a new calling, a new mission, and my kids, they're, they're called them this mission too, uh, in Toledo, Ohio. And, and many of you are wondering, what is in Toledo, Ohio? Why, uh, one person asked me, aren't there just cows there? Um, is there people? Is there things? Uh, another person, and this was a genuine comment, I was talking to them about the soccer community that wherever I go, I want to find a soccer community. And he legitimately asked me, this came out of his brain, do they play soccer there? Are there humans that play the most popular sport in the world there? They, he actually asked that. And so if you're wondering why would we move to Felito, Ohio, uh, we, we took a job to oversee church planting for uh, a, a major part of the Midwest, Michigan, and parts of Ohio. Uh, we're excited about the mission, but we are deeply grieving this. We're deeply mourning this relationship here. And so it puts us in a funny spot. And as I was praying through this week, do I just keep preaching through Mark? There's going to be a giant elephant sitting in the room. Do I address the elephant? I thought to myself, why not just address the elephant, but why not just ride that thing like I was Aladdin? Like, why not just get all up on that elephant um, and, and speak the things that I feel like would be healing to me and to the people around me? Uh, there are moments all throughout the New Testament where the Apostle Paul in particular takes the moment to, at the end of a letter to go, let me address this. This will be healing to me and to you if I just say this on the way out, right? This is what happens throughout the New Testament. And so I thought, why not do the same thing uh, in a series that we're going to call Things I've Always Wanted to Say. It sounds very narcissistic and selfish. That's okay. There are things that I've always wanted to say. Uh, there, there are things that sometimes I almost said but I haven't said all the way, uh, but I think it'll be healing for both of us as we ride the elephant. Um, I'm, not, I'm not quitting, and this is not the marketplace, but I, I had this metaphor that I've been debating all week that it's sort of congruent to what, what's going on here, so I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. Uh, when you quit, or at least everybody in this room has some sort of quitting story, like some of you have quit and you have the quitting story, or some of you have dreamed of quitting, and you have the quitting story, right? So the, the dream kind of goes like this. You walk in, and you're like, I'm done. You walk into the boardroom, you're like, I'm done. Sandy, I'm not getting your Starbucks anymore. I'm going to buy a Starbucks, and I'm going to put you on the night shift as a barista. Like, you just start aiming at people, right? This is what happens in your dream. You're like, Timmy, you're inappropriate, and you smell like beef and cheese. And Janet, Janet, every time I see your face, I want to make an excuse and go to the bathroom because I just can't stand your Janetness. And like, you just start running through your mind how you want to quit. And I don't recommend quitting this way. You typically need a good reference to go to the next place. 
Uh, I also don't recommend this because it's not very Jesus-like. Okay, but there are things that happen. There's this kind of abrupt boldness that happens when you're leaving somewhere. Again, I'm kind of regretting this because it's not all the way congruent to to the series that we're starting here, but it's somewhat congruent in a sense that one, the reason that you feel that boldness is because nobody can fire you, and two, you're not gonna see these people any longer. This is not congruent in a way that one, yes, you can't fire me, but two, it's not because I'm not gonna see you, it's because I love you, and I feel like these things need to be said. And I feel like they, they mean more on the way out. Like there's this iceberg of feelings that have been happening in me about the church, and it means more when I say them on the way out. It meant more when Paul said it on the way out. I'm not comparing myself to Paul, but there are some similarities there. There are, there are words that are no longer sanitized for your feelings. Like as much as I pride myself as, as saying, I, I, I just boldly say it, there are things that I, I've sanitized. There are things that I've held back on because I want to do either keep my job or not offend somebody or, you know. So these words hopefully mean a lot to you. They're encouragements. At times, they're going to feel like truth bombs. But really, it's just one big charge. Like, let's charge the hill together still. Even though I'm leaving, charge the hill. And here's how. Here's how. Um, In the end, these are all biblical words, too. I hope they come from the source of the scriptures because Jesus is the pastor of this church. Let's pray and enter a series entitled Things I've Always Wanted to Say. God, I pray that these are your words and not mine. I pray that they are not sanitized, but they are wrapped in love. That they are shepherding words, pastoral words, caring words, but upfront words. I ask for your grace on this time. And I also ask for your passion. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, here we go. The first question that we're going to answer in this series, and yeah, I said things I'm going to say, but it's, the first one's a question. Things I've always wanted to say. The first question is, why would you leave? Okay? It's going to get bold and awkward real quick in this series, okay? Here's the question. Why would you leave? Whenever a pastor leaves, whenever there's a transition in the church, people start thinking, am I going to leave too? Or that was kind of my guy, should I leave because that guy's leaving? That was kind of my gal, she's leaving, should I leave? There's always a different group of people in the room. Some people are thinking, why would you leave? Like, my man Tony's been here through three transitions, three different pastors. He's thinking, why would you leave? Right? And so I'm going to preach this sermon for Tony. Because... <laughs> We call him the OG. He's the original gangster. He's been here forever. Uh, And so this one's for the original gangster. Again, asking the question, why would you leave? Now, I get it. People have preferences when it comes to leadership style. People have preference when it comes to preaching style. But the church in this moment, uh, not just here, but in America, is in a place where now more than ever, it needs people to participate in the movement of God, not based on preference, but based on unity and mission. So yes, most of America just wants to strap on their preference pants when they go to church and say, this is what I prefer, and this is what I like, and this is what makes me feel comfortable. But the church, now more than ever in America, needs people to strap on their unity and mission pants. 
This church, in particular, for the next eight months, needs to bind together in unity and mission and go, this is why I'm a part of this family, to build the church up. And if you're picking your church based on preference, based on preference, you're standing on something that God has not asked you to stand on. You're focused on a pillar that God has not asked you to focus on. It's not even a pillar in the first place. You're resting somewhere God has not asked you to rest. Like I went to this panel. I was on this panel in, in, in Uptown. It was like an outreach panel, a local outreach panel. Uh, there were six of us on the panel, uh, and, and it was cool, and it was late at night, and uh, you know, I got home at like one. It was like, why is this so late? But I, I'm out there, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of exciting. We're talking about how to reach our city. It's exciting. But I noticed that one guy on the stage, like I've never seen him before. I'm like, who is this guy? And he didn't follow any of the rules on the panel. Like they told us, 90 seconds, think about everybody else, don't just think about your big mouth, pastor. That's pretty much what they said. And so 90 seconds, stick to it, get in, get out. And so that's what the rest of us were doing. But this guy was going on and on. And so I get off the, the, the stage and we're hanging out and we're having a little tea and crumpets and talking about Jesus. And, and, and the guy who leads the panel comes up to me and he's like, did you see that? I'm like, see what? He's like, I don't even know who that guy is. He was not invited. So this guy in front of hundreds of people just decided, I'm just going to get up on stage, take a seat, and share my feelings. That's what happened. And I was uh, the whole way home. It was like an hour commute. I'm like, what? what kind of audacity do you have to just go up and sit in a chair that nobody assigned to you? Right? Here's what I'm telling you. If this is your position, if your spot, your chair in the church is based on preference, you're sitting in a chair that God has never invited you to sit in. Preference is not sinful. Worshiping preference is sinful. The church is not built on preference. Again, preference is not sinful. Everybody has preferences, and so I like you just as much as you like me, but we should not worship preference, or else we build a consumeristic model church that's not based on anything biblical, anything that Jesus has commanded. Last week, we talked about how Jesus builds his church and most of you were kind of in and out, weren't you? Because I said at the beginning, I have a special announcement. And so all throughout 1 Corinthians 12, you're like, hey, pal, get to the announcement. Like I could see it on your faces. Uh, my wife and I were traveling recently, and we had on this podcast. Uh, I, I'm so into like these uh, ch manhunt podcasts where they're like chasing someone down. Uh, and they're like 20 episodes long. Episode two ends like, do they find him? I'm like, we have six hours. There's like 18 episodes left. She's like, just Google it, please. She, she just wanted the answer, right? And I could see it on your face last week. You're like, get to the end of the podcast, bub. Get to the end. You said there's a special announcement. So because there were very few people listening to that part, I want to re-talk about how God builds his church. The pillars on which he builds his church. The hills in which you're supposed to die on as a follower of Jesus who makes up the makeup of the church. All right, so last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 12. This week we're going to talk about Ephesians 4, and we are going through 16 
verses together. So if you want to pull out Ephesians 4, that'd be good right now because we are in and out of Ephesians 4 a lot. We're going to be stopping and going more than like Bayonne. You ever been on that main street in Bayonne? It's like how many stoplights can you have? No offense to the Bayonis, but jeez. All right. Ephesians 4.1, Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Let's stop there. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Here, here's the first pillar. Let's go back uh, if we can. Here's the first pillar. If you're a note taker, prisoner over preference. So again, most of the church is putting on preference pants when they wake up in the morning. Uh, they, they, they sometimes don't even go to church. They just go on their podcast and they find their favorite pastor throughout the nation and they choose that pastor instead of being in community with people, instead of serving on the welcome team, instead of helping put together bagels, they just decide, you know what, this is about me and my favorite pastor and so I'm gonna put on this guy or this guy or this gal they speak to me the most, and they don't even engage in discipleship relationships, one of God's major commands. Paul says, I'm a volunteer prisoner. Polar opposites here. Paul says, here's who I am as someone who helps Jesus build his church. I'm a volunteer prisoner, meaning God has done so much for me. Jesus has done so, so much for me. I surrender all. I submit to all. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus wants from me and me stepping into the calling of helping him build his church, whatever it looks like. And so here, Jesus, I'm on my knees as a volunteer prisoner, and I've never been to a prison where they're like, I'm going to need <laughs> some seltzer water, Okay. I'm gonna need you to take these cuffs off. I want a plush carpet, and I want cable. I've never been to a prison like that. Never really been to prison, but I'm assuming that doesn't happen, right? And therefore, the fact that we go to church and we're like, I'm gonna need the temperature to be a certain amount. I'm gonna need Starbucks in the lobby. I'm gonna need bagels. If there's no bagels, I'm gonna freak out to somebody. I'm gonna need to go to a church where the pastor has good cadence and great rhythm. Uh, who's passionate and yet soft, uh, and, and, and he's, he's basically Jesus in the flesh, and if he's not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up my hands and go to a different church. And I, I've never been to a volunteer prisoner where, where that is, that's the case. So prisoner over preference. Paul says you want to build a church. If you want to be a part of building the church, you don't want to just be about building yourself, but you want to build a church can you choose prisoner over preference? That's a hard issue. It's a surrender issue. But that's where Paul starts. He's surrendered to the Lord. Next verse. I urge you, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Your manner has got to match your calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Your manner has to match your calling, or your manners have to match your calling. I'm saying it this way because this is how I talk to my kids. I tell my kids, you're a Thornton. Thorntons act a certain way, okay? And this pans out all throughout life for them, and they're getting sick of it, I can tell. The other day, my son, he's at the park, and my son is sweet. He's a sweetheart. But this younger kid was being a bit annoying, okay? JD, JD, JD's following him around, and JD's like, okay, bub, I got friends, and you're ruining my vibe, 
And J.D., I could just tell, like, as sweet as he is, as sharing as he is, as caring as he is, and he's one of the most generous in that area of kids that I've ever met. He's so sweet, but he's just, like, ignoring this kid. And so I pull him aside. I'm like, hey, bub, Thornton's love their neighbors. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but how, how would you feel if someone looked up to you or, or you look up to somebody else and they just ignored you? I wouldn't feel good, Dad. All right, so love that kid because Thornton's love their neighbors. Okay, Dad. My kids are also in this phase where every form of humor is potty humor, right? Like, if you want to work for Disney, just put the word but in Disney. And the kids are like, oh, it's the best joke ever. They don't care about the rest of the movie until someone says the B word, right? And they're like, yes. It's like, this is not funny. So I tell my kids, look, we're Thorntons. We're wittier, we're smarter, and we have better humor than that. Like, Dad, I don't know what witty is, but I got you. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Like, when they get a scrape, I'm, I'm, I'm JD's coach. When he gets a scrape on the soccer field, I'm like, kid, get back out there. Pour some Gatorade on that thing and get back out there, right? I'm just, Dad, Gatorade has sugar. Just get back out there. I'm just yelling, you know, this is who the Thorntons are, okay? Now, you may, some of you are like, man, you're really hard on your kids. Well, I would, I'd, you know, I'd beg to differ, okay? America... Like, these kids are getting hurt in pillow fights at this point. So let's race a little bit tougher of, of, of a breed of kid at this point. We can argue about that later. But, but here's what I'm trying to tell my family. You're part of a tribe. And that tribe has tribal characteristics. And if you wear the name of that tribe, you wear those manners. You wear those characteristics. This is how we act. This is how we function. Thorntons are loving. We're kind. We're passionate. We're strong. We fight. We work hard. We love our neighbors. This is who we are, right? This is what I try to instill in them and gives them different values, but very similar values, right? Because we, we balance each other out. And so this is who you are. And this is what Paul is laying out flat. You're a follower of Jesus. You make up the church. You make up the church that is the hope of the world. The church is going to change the world. And it's your job to have the manners and the tribal characteristics of a follower of Jesus who's building up the church. And nowhere on the list is consumerism. Nowhere on the list is preference. On the list, however, is patience, gentleness, humility, bearing with one another in love. How many of y'all know you're in the church for five minutes, you know you got to bear with somebody? Bearing with people in love, eager to maintain, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Can y'all say bearing? One, two, three. Bearing. Can y'all say maintain? One, two, three. Maintain. Bearing and maintaining. Bearing and maintaining. So let me go back to the original question. Why would you leave? This church is going to go through it. Transition. Eight months, probably. Even if we get someone in here tomorrow, right? It's going to be eight months of transition. The church needs some bearing and some maintaining. Like, Pastor, you're the one leaving. I got you. I, I, I know. I feel that. But my, my encouragement as someone who's, you know, who's still going to be around, who still loves you, who has a lot invested in relationships here, I'm saying the church needs you to bear and maintain as a family and to push in together and have grace for each other. That's what the church needs. It doesn't need somebody who's going to put on their preference pants and go, ah, I don't know if I prefer this next person. You build the church. So that's the, the second pillar. 
the first pillar is preference, or prison over preference, and the second one is second one is your manners have to match your calling. Paul moves on. Verse 4, there's one body, this is so good, one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. The third pillar is unity. Third pillar is unity. Like I get it, this big C church, the overarching church, has a billion expressions. God is like, those expressions are okay, but we have one of these one church, one baptism, one Jesus, one God, one Father, one Spirit. It's all the same. And as someone who's a unity builder, you're called to, yes, the big C church, but you're also called to a little C family. And if you're a, if you're a mobile, transient person that bounces from church to church for the rest of your life, you're never going to know what it means to be a part of a little C family and to maintain the unity, to bear with one another in unity and and, and live this out. You're never going to feel it. But if you would suffer with each other for a little bit, if you would hold each other's hand for a little bit, if you would fill in voids, if you would fill in spots for a little bit, you're going to understand what it means to be a part of the big C church and the little C church. You're going to understand what it means to give of yourself, to have faith, to trust Jesus, and watch him build this church. You're going to be a Tony. You're going to be a Peter, who's here throughout the transitions, who watches God move in and out of different seasons, who holds on when it's a little bit grim, when it's a little bit gray, and says, God's still moving. God's still doing it. God still told us he's going to build a church. Why would he stop now? You get get to feel that. But if you bounce, and you consume, and you choose preference, you're just going to feed that part of you that wants more preference and more consuming. Third pillar is unity. I love this, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift gift and grace. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it also mean that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. This next one is grace and gifting. This pillar that we need to build ourselves on is the fact that we all receive this grace and we all receive these giftings. Everybody gets the grace. And all grace means is an unmerited gift. It's an unearned gift. We all get it. And by this grace, we work in the church. By this grace, we receive that Jesus died for us even though we didn't earn it. By this grace, we we received a gift even though we didn't earn it. And that's the place that we have these gifts out of. Now, I'm going to talk about these gifts in a minute. But I want to mention this first, okay? These gifts and these gift sets, because God's going God's to walk them out for us through Paul. Uh, some of you are going to be apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. That's scary. Just give me a minute. These are not positions in the church. They're pallets. You remember the old, old school pallets from, from, from an artist? They, they have these out like wee wee. And it's, you know, there's different colors on the pallet. I don't know why I took a French person who was, you know, Yes, there's a palette, and he's standing there. He's got a nice hat on, and he's painting from this palette. We all get some primary colors, some primary giftings, a primary makeup, things that bring us alive, things that we're good at, and things that we're not as good at. It doesn't mean we don't do these other things. It just means there are things that we love to operate in, and that's our palette. These aren't positions. I Meaning the first one is apostle. 
And I'm not going to give you a chair up here, a golden chair to sit on, and I'm not going to call you Apostle Jim and then give you a parking spot outside and make sure your mail says Apostle Jim. It's not a position. It's a palette. It's a set of tendencies, a set of things that you're good at, a set of things that bring you alive. And that's what you paint with. Primarily. Now, you still have to serve and do the other things. Like, there's actually a test that finds out what you are. Uh, and, and for me, apostle and prophet, I score 37 and 38 out of 40. And shepherd, I score 16. Uh, and somebody was like, isn't that your job? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Right? Okay, so, but, but there's things that we're good at and things that we just do because the kingdom needs us to do. Right? Things that bring us alive and they're like jumper cables into our heart and things that are like, ah, I'm going to do it because Jesus wants me to and I'm not the star here, Jesus is. Right? And so some of you, in, in terms of your palate, some of you are apostolic. You're apostolic, meaning you love to start multiple fires at once. You love to handle, you can spin multiple plates like this and you're like, I love this. For somebody else, they're like, please just give me one thing. But you're like, yes, take me to another atmosphere, right? So you love doing lots of things and managing lots of teams, and you love to take new territory. Some of you are like, I want to be in the same place forever. Others of you are like, I want to be in new territory. I want to get more. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm entrepreneurial. I'm excited. That's you. You're an apostle, right? You have, you're not a apostle. It's not positional, but you have a, an apostle palate. Right? And you love to do these things. You should operate in that. God gave you that gift. By his grace, in his grace, you function in that gift. You're apostolic. That's one of the reasons I'm going where I'm going, because it's, I, I love that. For other people, they, they want to punch themselves in the face when they have to do that. Me, I love it. And I start freaking out. It's like, I don't need caffeine. I'm like, just give me a whiteboard, and let's do this thing, Right? Get me in a car, let's go take that territory. That's, that's how I feel. Some of you are not apostolic, but you're prophetic. You love the prophetic. Uh, and what that means is that you're a proclaimer. You're a truth proclaimer. If you think about the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament and New Testament, they basically roll up into a town and they say what God told them to say. So you have a good ear for God and a good mouth for God. And you're not too concerned. Now, Jonah was concerned. He tried to run, got swallowed by a fish. Not recommended. Okay? You might be concerned about what people think, but you hear it and you say it. As long as it's biblical. As long as it lines up with the scriptures. Maybe that's you. Maybe you love to proclaim. Maybe you get visions. I personally, I, I get visions. Prophetic is my, is my second. Maybe you get visions. And they're not weird. They're godly visions that line up with the scriptures and make sense with what's going on around you. You may be prophetic. Some of you are evangelists. Whatever you get, you have to share, like you love it so much, you have to share it with somebody around you. So uh, maybe it was Greek yogurt at some point. You're like, you have to try this Greek yogurt. And every environment that you went into, you told them about this Greek yogurt. They're like, what's up with the Greek yogurt person? Why are they still talking about Greek yogurt? But that's you because you love something and you're like, I need to share it. I need to share it. And the best thing that ever happened to you was what? Jesus. And so you love to share Jesus. You're on the train. Someone's like, what's the weather? You're like, Jesus. <laughs> it's warm outside, you know. 
Never mind, I'm not going to do that joke. Pastor's been doing that joke forever. It's hot, so it's hell. No, 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 just don't do that. Okay, um, you just need to share what you get, right? Maybe you're an evangelist. Maybe you're a shepherd. Shepherds are gatherers. They're listeners. Sometimes when, you, when, when you're talking to me, you see my eyes, they like glaze over because I'm not good at listening. Now I need to rebuke myself. <laughs> Yolanda... Yolanda felt that when she's like, he's done it to me. Uh, look, we all need sanctification, right? I, I need help with that, right? So, so do you maybe. Maybe this is, you're not a shepherd. But some of you are like, those people who are listening, and when they're listening to you, you're like, they're looking into my soul. That's you. You're a shepherd. You just care. Someone's talking, you're like, tell me another story. I want to hear more about all of you. They're like, oh my gosh. Uh, and you love to cry with people. You love to celebrate with people. You love to sit with people. You love one-on-ones and one-on-twos and nine-on-fifteens. You love to be around people. You love Friendsgiving and another party after that, whereas I go home and I want to collapse and never see a person again. That's you. You are shepherd. You're a unity driver. You gather all the sheep and go, it's okay. We got this. And the church needs you. Right now, the church needs apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds, and they need teachers. The last one is teacher. Some of you are teachers. Everything you get from God, every piece of knowledge, every piece of information, you like to break it down to somebody else. You have a metaphor for everything. You have a story for everything. Where's Lulu? Lulu literally has, is he in here? He's in the kids? Lulu's at work. Lulu has a story for everything. I'm like, Brow, we only have an hour. Please. Maybe that's you, though. You love to teach. One, again, one on two, one on 30, whatever it is, you just love to share knowledge about Jesus constantly, and you like to break it down where everybody gets revelation together. Be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, a teacher, a combination of a few of them. Are you really good at four of them, but you're really bad at one of them? Like, God has given you this. Now, why did he give you this? To build up your name, to build up your glory, to build up your following, to help your Insta handle, to help your Insta following, your, 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 your Facebook following. No one's on Facebook anymore. How, how, how did, why did God give you this? Paul tells us. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work, it's work of ministry. For building up, somebody say building. For building up the body of Christ. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about building up the church. You're not here to consume or prefer. You're here to build up. You're here to equip. You're here to maintain. You're here to build and Bear the body of Christ until so we all attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. In other words, every church, big C and little c, needs to go through puberty. They don't think in a mature way. They start off thinking this is all about me and this is all about this or it's all about that. But God has a way to bring us all into unity and the building up of the body into maturity. Until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature manhood to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. Next verse. So that we may no longer be children, immature, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness 
and deceitful schemes. This is what the church is built on. It's built on you. It's built on Tony doing the slides. It's built on Shamoy doing the sound. It's built on Sung helping with finances. It's built on the people shepherding our children right now. It's, for the, it, it, it's by the people that are bringing together our missional communities and talking about Jesus every week. It's, it's the shepherds, the evangelists, the apostles, the teachers. It's everybody. And Christ gave everybody something. Like a t-shirt gun. He got up on that cross and he's like, you get something, you get something, you get something, you get something. Nobody is small. Nobody is big. Everybody is here to build up the body. of This is what this is about. My favorite show right now is called New Amsterdam. Any New Amsterdam fans? Yes, yes. Uh, Emmanuel just caught the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Uh, New Amsterdam, okay? We actually have an actress that goes to this church on New Amsterdam. Baby Beatrix, okay? Baby Beatrix. She's too young to give you an autograph. Don't ask for one. That's creepy. But Baby Beatrix has been in numerous scenes on New Amsterdam. Tragic scenes. But she was on them. Uh, okay, and yeah, she's, she's doing it right now, baby Beatrix. Um, and so we're kind of a big deal here at City Life Church. I don't know if you know that, um, but, but that's what's going on. So this is my favorite show. Why is it my favorite show? Because of this guy. My wife knows, she'll tell you, I want to be him. I love him so much. If he was here, I would cuddle. I'd be like, bro, can we hug? Can I nestle my head between you? Can we just come here? This is my guy. And he, it's because he's the boss of the hospital, so he's a boss of, you know, New Amsterdam Hospital. It's in the name. New Amsterdam Hospital. And he walks into every room, and he says this one thing. How can I help? And every time he does it, I go, oh, so good. Because he's not too big for any room. He's not too big for anything. He does the right thing in every circumstance. This is like the New Amsterdam Gospel. He does the right thing in every circumstance. And he also just builds up the hospital. Here's what, I'm ta- here's what I'm trying to tell you. Are you the person that says, how can I help? Or are you the person that says, how can I take? Are you the consumer? Or are you the contributor? And this may be harsh. But here, I'm just telling you what the church needs. I'm just being full on honest. This, this church, for the next eight months, needs contributors. These people who are here to build up the body, and I have every confidence that you are that. From the beginning, we have had a ridiculous, miraculous amount of people that have bought in. And it's not me, because I was at another church for nine years, and there was nowhere near the buy-in. So I know that it's not me. I know that it's you, and I know that it's Christ and the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you the question from the beginning. Why would you leave? Why? And that may feel like it's unfair of me to ask at this place. You're like, well, you're leaving, and so, and I get that. Like, I, I totally feel that. Uh, and, and there was times where I wrestled with even saying this. Um, but the other part of me is like, no, this is what needs to be said. Now, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go into what's called an FAQ. We did a Q&A last week, um, and, you know, we would do a Q&A again, but usually the second week, it gets a little bit hairy, okay? The questions get a little bit different, 
And then I'm stuck up here answering questions, and I'm like, ooh, wish we didn't do a Q&A. So we're gonna do an FAQ. I'm gonna pray, we'll do an FAQ, and we'll talk about what's next for this church, because a lot of you have questions, and that's okay. And then I'm going to call up the team that's helping us run this transition. We have a dynamite team that's running this transition. Pray with me. God, I pray for those of us in this room that are hearing this message, that if we were consumers, we became contributors. If we were people that woke up in the morning and put on our preference pants, we would make, wake up in the morning and put on our volunteer prisoner pants. That we would live in your grace and your gifting and we would all feel the need to contribute to the gospel and the building up of your body, the church. In your name I pray these things, amen. On the next page, I have five questions that I've come up with. Some of them are questions that you have actually asked me that people have whispered in my ear. You're like, hey, can you tell me this? Uh, and I'm like, no, uh, but I'll address everybody. Uh, and some of these questions I'm assuming um, because of my last transition that you have uh, in your mind. And I'm gonna answer these questions and I'm also gonna afterward bring up uh, the new team so that you can meet them uh, and so that you know who to talk to and who to address when you have a question about the transition. Uh, the first question is what type of transition is going to happen? What is this gonna look like? What process are you going to go through to pick a new pastor? What's the timeline? That is, that is for sure the first question that I get asked all the time, right? And it's a fair question. You want to know what's next, okay? So let, let me talk you through this because I can't, I can't, it's not fair for me to answer these questions offline, all right? And it's also not fair for us to talk about these questions offline. This is not a gossip church. This is not a side door church or a back door church. This is an in-your-face, upfront, honest, fair church. And so we have a process, and a team needs to go through the process. And to be fair to them, and to be fair to the unity of the church, we're going to answer the questions right on time, as, as, as best as we can. But that's how we have to do it. We can't do backdoor thing, and oh, he said this, and oh, she said this, and are they doing this? I'm not really sure. The best thing you can do is pray. If you don't have an answer to a question, pray. Pray for this team. Pray for this church, okay? So what type of transition? Uh, right now, we are, we are looking in-house first, okay? We are praying through people uh, and, and, and certain people in-house first. And we are going to, as a team, research, as a transition team, research exactly what we feel like and who we feel like will lead this church not into the black, no. Lead this church into the next phase and then we're going to interview them correctly and in order and if that doesn't work out, then we're gonna do it again and we're gonna pray and we're gonna discern and we're gonna, it's gonna be lots of prayer and then we're gonna pray and we're gonna discern again and then we're gonna pray and discern again and then ask more questions and then if we need to do it again, then we'll do it again. Okay, but right now, that's, that's where we're starting uh, and the timeline is, is, well, I don't really know. I just know we're working hard. Okay, uh, and we also know that we don't want the timeline to go on forever, but we also want to do things right. You ever been in that situation? Y'all been part of businesses, you know, you know the situation, right? You want to do things right, but you want it to move, and so you're meeting constantly, and you're a little bit tired of meeting, but you meet anyway, and you just get a little bit of coffee, and you keep going, and you meet again, and you pray some more, and you meet again, that's, that's how we're doing it, okay? And so that's the process, uh, and we're meeting kind of every Monday until kingdom comes, uh, and everybody's like, we don't have time, it's the holidays, but we're meeting anyway. That's how this is going, because we want the right person 
but we want to do it right. Does that make sense? For now, you have everybody you need in leadership to carry this church forward. So the next question is, is everything going to go on like normal? Absolutely. You have multiple leaders, a big leadership, lots of capable people, lots of capable preachers, a, a capable system, a good vision, vision, mission, core value, strategy, and structure. I didn't build that. We built it together as a team. That team is still here to carry it forth. That's why we decided to still do the Christmas store. The Christmas store is big. It's a lot. We decided to do it anyway. Because we're like, we need the church to know it's still going on like normal. Okay? This is all still going down in Jesus Town. That was weird. Good night. That was weird. I was halfway through that sentence. I'm like, are you going to say the rest? Oh, you just did. Okay? No going back now. So is everything going on like normal? Absolutely. Okay? Are you all coming back? Meaning me and Anne, are you going to come back? How often? This is a question that we get all the time. Uh, our our in-laws live here, and you are our church family. We love you guys. We will come back. We have three kids. The one doesn't travel well. We won't have babysitting for a while. And so I don't want to lie to you and say, we're going to be back here quarterly. I don't really know. But we will come back here, okay? And we do love you, and we are praying for you, and we will be uh, in touch with the leadership, and we will be kind of in an apostolic role answering any questions that we need to answer. Uh, and we are available via FaceTime, and we will have a big enough house for you to visit. Please, everybody, don't try to visit in the first month. Just let's break it up. Let's talk as a team and go, okay, who's going this month? All right, that's good. All right, we got it down. All right? Who is the team that will pick the new pastor? I'm gonna, can you, can you get them? I'm gonna call them up here after I answer five because we need to go get some. Some are in the um, children's ministry room. I'm gonna answer five first. What does the future look like? We just preached on it, okay? The future just needs you to buy in to fill in holes. You know, we got a funny story here. Um, and it's that we bought this drum set, right? And we put this drum set on stage. I read it in a book once. We literally just put the drum set on stage. We had no drummer. But we figured if we put the drum set up there every Sunday and it's red and shiny, that's, okay? Someone's going to go, hey, who plays that? Who sits in that seat and does that thing? And a guy named James literally came up to me and said, hey, I just felt like I should ask this question. Who plays that thing? And now he's our one drummer, all right? <laughs> he could use a break once. Yeah, that's good. He could use a break in a while, so we're leaving up there still. It's still, it's still there. It's shiny. What this church needs is for you to fill voids, for you to see a hole, and to walk in there, New Amsterdam style, I don't know his real name in li real life, he's a stud, that guy style, and just say, how can I help? Where's, where's my role? And it's to pray through, who am I? Am I apostolic? Am I prophetic? Am I evangelist, shepherd, teacher? What, I, what am I? There have been people doing that here for seven plus years, through, through multiple transitions. Now it's your turn. It's not a power grab, it's not like, Hey, bud, is that preacher thing open? Can I step on? No, 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 no. It's not a power grab. It's a how can I help? How can I fill in grab? Okay? But the, free, the future is fine. You got this. This is a church not built around a couple. It's a church built around the body of Christ, and you got this. I'm going to call the team up now and show you how amazing this church is. 
team coming up on stage. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's wires all over the place, so please don't fall. That would not be a good commercial. Uh, and worship team, you can come up here too and just kind of stand behind us for a couple seconds. You guys have a way to get up here? I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you got to move things. There's water there. All right. So what you have up front is your transition team. Come on now. That is a studly team right there. Um, we picked them because a lot of them are OGs here, um, and it's a balanced team. Uh, and, and the one requirement was, do they love Jesus, do they pray a lot, and do they have discernment? And then also, do they, do they love this church? These people have proven that they love this church, that they will pray hard, that they will talk in honest truth, and that they're going to love you, and they're going to stick it out. Some of them are like, how long does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know, but just stick it out. And they're like, ah, oh, shoot. But I'm like, just do it anyway, okay? <laughs> that, was our, that was literally a conversation with somebody. How long? I don't know. Ah, oh, shoot. Okay, sorry. Just do it anyway. Um, so uh, can we just pray for this team right now? Jesus, I trust these people. I trust their love for this church. I trust their discernment. I trust their leadership. I trust that they're going to be honest with each other. They're going to be honest with you. That they're going to do it right. That they're going to find the right person. And they're going to do it at a pace that, that you love. And that's right for this church. And uh, last time this team gathered, they found me and I found them in, in like the first 20 minutes because you were there because you made it happen. And so we trust that you're going to do it again. We trust that you have the right person to lead us and to lead this church. And we trust that in the meantime, this is a body of Christ. Fully your spirit, fully your power, fully your gospel. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, this team, you guys can, tr again, try to find your way. Give them a round of applause for navigating the microphones. Let's stand up together. Let's worship. Jesus has something for us. Jesus is good. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is the pastor of this church. He's the leader of this church. He's not surprised by this. He's not shocked by this. He arranged this. He loves you, and he's worthy of our worship, right? Amen?